And welcome back to the Metal Teddy Bear Experience podcast right now. This is your host, Chris. We got Jesse over here. What's up, dude? Back again. Back again. Not fresh off another podcast. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the last week's episode. We had the Exile Martyr on there. Great dudes. If you haven't, check out their EP, Novum Venom. I messed that up on the show, so you can get to see me on All My Glory right there. And, um, yeah, this episode is uh, – we have Paul Bear. We have the dudes from uh, Paul Bear. We have Brett and Joe. Really awesome guys. Joe's the bassist. Brett's the guitarist and vocalist. Well, Joe does the backing vocals as well. And we got yep. to talk about their brand-new album, Forgotten Days. And uh, it was really cool having them on. Um, definitely a different style of music than we've had. I mean, it's still metal, but uh, I think we've had a little more aggressive music on the show, right? Yeah. No, it was yeah. definitely interesting. It was a very old school style with a new school, new school spin. Yeah. You know, and then uh, I appreciate it. You know, I ran through their album the week before we did the interview and uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, like it, it, got, it, it gave me a lot of different like feelings. Like I said in the, like I say in the interview, it gave me certain feelings about like kind of doomy, like apocalyptic, but then the vocals like were not what I thought it was going to be. So it was a very nice surprise and it all went really well. And so did the interview. Yeah. And I just want to say right now that there is only one Devin and it's Devin Townsend. <laughs> so I'm, I'm double sorry. down. I'm double downing on that. So. Why? <laughs> now I was talking about this before with other people too. I'm like, when you hear Arnold, who do you think of? Schwarzenegger. Yeah. When I hear Devin, I only think of Devin Townsend. So I'm doubly uh, down that you'll see yeah. in the interview later on, you'll see that. And That's I'm cool. sorry. I'm just, a, I'm a Devin fanboy. So Devin That's Townsend, cool. I know you're watching right now. You're welcome back on the show. <laughs> well, that, that's cool. Except for, you know, who, what, what Devin do you think of when you're talking to a band with a member called Devin? It, it's just, it still doesn't, it still, it still doesn't comprehend in here, dude. Yeah, you do the five knuckle shuffle. I can't see you and all your embarrassment. <laughs> that was funny. Actually, I put a nice little, uh, stamp on myself you'll see if you watch if you keep watching if you didn't tune out already guys but um yeah we also have some upcoming stuff we just want to talk about as well next week we'll drop a nice little uh, entheos episode we got to talk to cheney crab so that was really a lot of fun and um jesse what else do we have coming oh we can talk about all that stuff i mean just name drop that yeah, it's not, well, we, it's not coming in order but uh just, yeah but we we, well, we, did, we just got done with the interview with kevin Kevin Boutot. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. Yeah, like, this time Bo-tot. you fuck up the names. It's how you say it, Boutot. <laughs> yeah, but the way you said it was so not confident. Yeah, I'm not confident as a person. <laughs> Kevin Boutot of the Acacia Strain, the drummer, had a fantastic conversation. We just got done with it, and that will be coming in the near future. And we got exactly. some lined up, so it should be super cool. We'll backlog all these and not do another podcast for like two months, and then yeah, we'll right. just keep it. <laughs> So, uh, it was super fun and I uh, yeah. can't wait. And also the Paul Bear one was fun. So get ready. Get, do we have to talk about anything else? No, that's it. <laughs> uh, get ready, get set, get your popcorn and just get ready for the greatest interview of your entire life. All right, guys, here we go. And welcome back to the metal teddy bear experience podcast right now. This is your host, Chris. We got my boy, Jesse. What's up, dude? What up? How's it going? And we have two special guests on today from Paul Bear. We have Joe and Brett. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? Going, pals. 
So we also do this on uh, podcast formats like Spotify, where it's only audio. So so people get used to your your uh, voice and your name. Can you just say what you do in the band and you know say your name? <laughs> uh, or Brett. Yeah, I'm Brett, and uh, I sing and play guitar in Paul Bear. Hey, and this is Joe, and I play bass and sometimes do some, some like, extra vocals, usually not. <laughs> the backing vocal guy. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank awesome. you for joining the show, guys. Really pumped to talk about you. I was actually just listening to the uh, single you guys just put out, Forgotten Days, and it's a banger, I got to say. Total throwback to, like, that nice, thick, heavy tone. Like, you know, usually now, like, a lot of things are, like, faster and heavy and stuff like that. A nice, slow, heavy doom riff. Yeah. yeah like, the slow build to the apocalypse, I like to think of it. <laughs> it's just, like, it, like, hits. I'm like, the, the vocals kind of surprised me, too, because I actually I never listened to you guys until, like, we got scheduled this interview. I went through a bunch of your guys' songs. Mm-hmm. And I started with the single, and I was like, man, all right, some ha- some something's happening. I was like, let's see. And then it hit. I was like, oh, that's a nice mix, too. Like, I don't know. I never thought of it. It was like. It's like it's like a way heavier Black Sabbath. Like I like that. It gets doomier and kind of like more interesting. You guys like it's pretty awesome. You don't really hear that much like very often, at least. Like Chris said, basically, it's like faster. You know, you have your start stops. You have a little electronics put in there. The breakdowns behind yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a windbreaker. I feel like more windbreakers. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. We're you guys moving in like into a more like windbreaker metal sort of. Yeah, you, you're working up. You're working up to it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, where do you guys get your influences with that too? Like, well, how? Yeah, uh, with that music. Well, I mean, we have all influence from all kinds of places, but uh, honestly, that song, that riff was kind of trying to do like that main riff was sort of a, you know, morbid angel Nile sort of vibe. You know, that's sort yeah. of just harmonic minor. Dude, <laughs> it was sound and stuff. I do. It was. It, it gave me a nice uneasy feeling, which I love with that kind of music. Like, oh, here it comes. Like, some evil's happened, dude. I really yeah. think perfect <laughs> beginning to an apocalypse movie, like Contagion or something. Yeah, like fit the fit the theme of the COVID. Just like yeah, right in twenty twenty. Like, like, all right, someone's coughing. Well, also yeah. the, the video uh, kind of tied in well with it. I would say the whole like the, I love the color scheme that you have going on in the video. Was that mm-hmm. like um. Is that something that uh, related to the album? Because the art, kind of album art, is kind of like that too, right? Yeah. Uh, the the guy the guy who directed the video, Ben Meredith, he was he was really cool to work with. Like, obviously, he was into experimenting, which we are too. And uh, you know, he he was trying to approach those like the super vivid space scenes with. Uh, you know, kind of the approach. Have you ever seen the the Tree of Life that movie or or the Fountain? It's that Aronofsky no. movie. Oh man, no, I haven't. Good. <laughs> I'll check but it out. All, Good. all this stuff is done with like you know ink, like ink and water. Oh, so awesome. it gives this sense of space. You know, this massive area, but it's really just like a you know a fish tank with with the ink squirted in it. But it looks so <laughs> cool, like you know. Was it's that better um, than? And, sorry, continue. I think it's cooler than you know using CGI or something like that. After Effects. Is there going to be like a follow-up video for it or no? Because it kind of seems like conceptual in a way. Oh sure, yeah, it plays in with the with the concept of the song. But I mean, we'll, we're going to do more videos, but not based on that storyline, I guess. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, in general, I would say that 
we are sort of a concept band, but not in the same way that a lot of people tend to concept albums. Like there is usually like overarching concepts that we approach, but not like a like linear story. So there will be probably some like going forward with the like the follow up video. It's not going to be directly tied to the okay, awesome. that's in. Yeah. Now I got you. Well, I was just because I was watching again today and I was trying to pick up some uh, subtle cues you guys had going in it. So I, I guess he was going for more like a, like a flashback kind of thing about his like former life, right? Sort of. Yeah. He's kind of like losing track of where in his life he is. Yeah. I thought that was cool. Time travel is always so messy. <laughs> yeah. Make is sure that- you don't mess up your own rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time travel movie. <laughs> yeah. <You> <laughs> So speaking about the record a little bit, um, how long did it take you to like record and write and you know do everything? Um, the writing process was pretty smooth this time. Uh, I felt like a lot of the songs came came together pretty pretty naturally, um, and we we had an extremely uh, productive like writing period. So we came up with a, tons and tons of material, and we kind of had to pick and choose what we wanted to used for the album but uh recording was the least amount of time we've ever spent on a recording it was like a little over two weeks just slightly over two weeks and the rest have taken around like five weeks or so our, our other two albums our first album was made over the course of like a year so it's not wow. really sure so wh- why do you think it was that uh that much quicker just because you the songs just worked uh Probably to a to a degree, yeah. Like we were really well rehearsed and had the songs for the most part pretty like well arranged and figured out. But uh, it was of it, kind of recorded differently. Like our last record, Heartless. Like there are like the the guitars are tracked like way way differently on that record. And there's like more layers of them. Whereas on this record, we like with Randall Dunn, the producer, like we kind of like took a different approach where like Brett and Devin tracked simultaneously. Like, and I don't know, it's just like during the mix process, it was layered considerably differently than our past records. And yeah. Our, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, how did that affect the sound in, for you though? Did it make it like beefier or like darker? Like how did that? I, I enjoyed it. Like, uh, it was almost like, uh, uh, Pacific Rim, <laughs> that movie where <laughs> like piloting the robots together, it felt kind of like that because like, um, you know, in the past we've done like a bazillion guitar, like rhythm guitar layers. So you know, I think on Foundations of Burden, our, our second album, there's at places there's like twelve layers of rhythm guitars going <laughs> at, at once, which <laughs> absolutely excessive. At that point, you're just kind of like, you introduce all these like phasing issues and whatever. But we tried to do, tried to do it differently this time. And so all the rhythm parts were recorded together. So if one of us messed up, we had to do it again. But it, in a way, it was a lot closer to how we practice or how we play live, which we listen to each other while we're playing and we kind of play off the vibe of what each other is doing. And so you get a lot more of a like, live feel it sounds more like a band playing and yeah uh, and joe and mark our drummer 
tracks, bass and drums together as well. So the rhythm section is essentially live. And then we play rhythm guitar to the recordings of that. But all, all told when that, but when that's put together, it sounds, it's our most like live sounding record because it, it's basically live, but in two pieces, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, it's also because you guys' music does sound like, I don't know if you guys use a metronome or not live, but it does sound like kind of music that you probably wouldn't. It sounds like you said, you go a feel and you just kind of start ripping, whether it's a yeah. little slower or a little faster. Mm. Yeah, we, there's a lot of like breathing to the music. Like, yeah. We actually used a click for parts of this album, which we'd never done before, but uh, which not on every song, but we felt it was kind of necessary for a couple of songs. But that was an interesting experience because we're a very, very loose band. <laughs> we discovered <laughs> extremely loose. <laughs> That's a good thing. Though. That's a very good thing. You know, mm. some bands get really nervous in the studio when they have to record their album. They're like, this has to be perfect. And they get in like their own heads. Have you guys ever uh, had that with a track where like you worked too much on it and it kind of got a little too, uh, like, too much? Depends on the definition too much <laughs> well i guess 12 uh 12 layers yeah. of a guitar <laughs> it needs to be heavier get back in the booth <laughs> oh yeah every song we've ever done so now I don't, we kind of went into this album with uh with the idea of just like taking the opposite approach that we did basically from our first album to our third album each one increased in the complexity of the recording process so like heartless was a extremely stressful i mean not like we were arguing or anything but just the actual process of recording was really stressful and difficult and uh part of that came down to do with our, our self-imposed methodology to it so we're like well let's just take a different more simpler approach and make things try to make things sound like raw you know and i think there's a there's a especially in metal you can benefit a lot from just having something that's not perfect sounding but sounds really alive so much so much music's like in metal too like it's just so produced and sounds so like perfectly polished but you lose that like i don't know vitality I think it yeah. also adds like what we were saying before with the windbreaker metal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, when I hear windbreaker metal, I think of that sound that you have, that really polished sound. I totally think of that. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because I always like the some of my favorite bands. You could just like like I always like uh, every time I die, it feels like they plug like not only their guitar into like the mix they plug it like into their like soul like you feel it even <laughs> though it's like every band records the same technically you all pull your programs in you plug in your stuff you tune up and then you guys start doing your own thing but it's like it's you know, like you said in metal some people sound like they put it on a track it's perfect and it hits in and it sounds great but sometimes it's like yeah you know i could have probably programmed a lot of this and then you go live and you're like oh yeah they can play it. it's awesome and it sounds epic live but then like bands like you and like every time i die it's like fuck yeah dude some dude was not having a good day that day or maybe he was having a fantastic day and you kind of get it through it even though you're just using your fingers and maybe it's like through your voice or drums it's like it's interesting how music does that and not everyone can do that even yeah. though everyone has feelings it's weird people like maybe like think too much and they just can't handle it and then they just but i appreciate what you guys do you guys are crushing it definitely <laughs> that's, that's what so, i got from your single too i'm looking forward to it definitely editing music can like take away the the soul yeah 
so there was like a lot less of that this time we basically like tried to capture the liveness you guys you guys played at like saint vitus last year right i think uh or is that a little bit longer in the past but not last year i've I've lost track of time now (laughs) (laughs) right Vitus would have been in uh 2018 yeah. Oh, wow. Time does fly. Well, I was watching that performance a couple months ago when, or God, it must have been like a year. Whenever I saw it on YouTube, <laughs> whenever it <laughs> dropped, um, I thought that performance was really well. Uh, like when you have shows like that, does that kind of make you want to get back in the studio? Because I don't know, just watching that, I was like, I just want to play guitar now. <laughs> I, I personally love like the writing and recording aspect. That's my favorite part. Like I, lo- I like playing shows too, but it's a lot more like work, you know, <laughs> uh, but writing is fun, you know, and, and w- watching, having your songs come together in, in a, in a studio environment is really gratifying. So yeah, I'll, I would spend time in the studio all the time if I, if I had the option. Wow. I feel like usually bands want to uh, bypass the studio, you know, because the, the grueling process of it, that's a really unique take. Well, it's fun because you get to, I, you know, you create a, you, the way we work on stuff is we, really really hone in on songs so by the time we get to the studio we have them like really really well rehearsed ideally and uh also kind of have a general idea of how we want to approach each song in recording so by the time we get there it's of course a rush against time to an extent because you only have so many days yeah Uh, but you know we try to basically fulfill a plan once we get in there and get the like the best versions of these songs that we can but of course there's always unforeseen maybe new ideas or hurdles you have to have to figure out in the studio but that's it's a, fun, it's a fun challenge <laughs> Say what? what was like that joe something breaks in the studio yeah. and you have to kind of like revamp <laughs> like work around it i feel like that's yeah. happened to something like every time we've been in the studio pretty much oh yeah this is not an option anymore. Plan B. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's also like, that's interesting too. Cause I think a lot like, well, you guys just come in. So now you get the most out of your time. So you're not like spending all your freaking money just to like write one song. It's like, no, we know we can play this. And like some bands go in there and they're like, yeah, we got an idea. And then they find out they can't play it. And then some of the studio times <laughs> like them practicing to play it where they're like, Oh, this was a sick idea. We didn't actually run this through as many times as we thought, especially when they do it to a click. I've learned oh, that because started playing electric drums to a click and I thought I was all right at drums. Apparently now I can see the MIDI track and I'm like, Oh my God, look at, I'm in time into out of time. I'm ahead of it. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's harder than it looks. Oh dude. It's awful. Also crushes your soul. I was like, I've gotten way better now after devastating my ego for about a month straight, but (laughs) yeah, it was not fun. There was no smiles for the month of May. (laughs) You got that room to fill in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well that's not in time i'm not recording that i'm just i don't want to say it but it's interesting so you because you did you usually record even though you don't play live with it in your past records did you usually record do like a metronome or is that something you implemented now in the new uh the new recordings it it was just for a couple of songs or i don't i don't I can't remember specifically which but we used it uh in a couple of places on on this album, but we had never done it in the past. We've always just played a, we do, you know, just do scratch tracks and then play to, everybody does their parts to the drum tracks that we recorded. Okay. Yeah, we've never, we've never used a metronome until now. And it is a lot, 
<laughs> metronome makes me not want to play yeah <laughs> whenever i try to practice a riff with it and i put it on i'm just like i, I don't want to play guitar anymore and i'll literally just put it down and leave <laughs> well it's like no that patience. thing it's like you can't like you know like you go to school the teacher says something's like eh, teacher might be full of shit but it's like the metronome is like a teacher but it's never wrong ever it's just like <laughs> no you're wrong it's like no i know all you're out of time it's like <laughs> you just walk away for an hour you gotta calm down <laughs> yeah yeah we definitely do that every once in a while I'll just be like how many times am i gonna have to record this fucking solo <laughs> do you ever run into that instance where like the first take was the best take and you did like 20 takes after that sometimes but usually we quit whenever we get the best one it'll like by the time, if, if we're having trouble with stuff you know we, we typically pretty pretty well know early on and you know, we have done in, in the past, not with this album, but like piece together, like if we have really extended solos or something, do two takes or whatever, and then just like take the first half of one and the second half of another, just because oh. when you play like a minute or two minute long guitar solo, that's like completely improvised, you know, like part of one might be amazing and part of the other one might be amazing. So yeah, each that's interesting. Clubs in it or whatever. But I actually never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, it works. If, and then you just, you know, learn the learn the piece together solo to play it live. That's awesome. That's that's pretty genius. I was like, like, I'm the idiot that just hits delete when it's not right. <laughs> I told that to my brother, and he was like, yo, you know you could just, like, put it. No, no, no. One take through. And that's why yeah. I guess I was really awful. I was like. I have principles. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> Doing it the right way. That's the way Randall was. If we uh recording this stuff, he would have zero patience for any bullshit like that. He would, if you if you messed up, you had to do it again from the top. So <laughs> it know. feels good when you like you do it, but it, it's like at some point it's like, well, I'm like it's free for me. But if you're spending money on a studio, I totally understand where it's like, fuck that. I'm not spending a couple hundred dollars to like replay this five times when we have it in two takes. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. it just it, it's it. Oh, sorry. We had, we had like I think a few hours left before we somebody else had to come in the next day so we we're like either we get it now or we don't get it at all so oh, there you go it all worked out i will yeah. say though it's interesting too about you guys utilizing the metronome in this album or like on a few songs or you know whatever is that you guys are like a from what i've heard at least medium tempo to like slower tempo kind of like you know you guys are like you're grooving <laughs> which mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes it's harder to play to a metronome because there's a lot more space and you feel like you're locked in. And, but then you, that's when the you're slightly behind slightly ahead kind of shit sneaks up on you where I feel like when you have a lot of notes, sure. When you mess up, the train goes off the tracks, but like, it's easier to lock in. Did you guys notice that at all? We actually would get off the metronome sometimes. And then just, as long as you can find your way back, it doesn't really matter because yeah. that would get the benefit of the sort of, breathing element of everything yeah but the metronome was pretty much just there in order to be able to you know find our it was more of just like a recording okay. technique for a particular song that we were working on okay interesting so even if you guys went off during the recording it was just part of this that you took it and left the feeling in there mm -hmm. yeah okay, as long as cool. we it up back on the beat it was okay yeah well that's the worst when you hear when you hear uh the speed up 
to catch up when you realize you're a little bit it's like it's like what the fuck was that it's just like no i'm back i'm back in time guys don't worry about that last measure i'm back <laughs> what would you say is like the uh, the song you had the like the most fun in the studio with like uh, now that i don't even remember <laughs> probably caledonia the last song because we were throwing all kinds of that one has a lot of like synths and has a really bizarre guitar solo from Devin. We were we really kind of pulled out all the stops for that one. So that was probably the most fun to record overall. Um, like Devin Townsend's on it? <laughs> no, no. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? I'm sorry, when I hear Devin, I just think of Devin Townsend. I just was like, what? The most famous metal Devin, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just huge <laughs> blank right there. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guitarist. My bad. <laughs> Look, look at the sheet, you fool! Well, no, <laughs> it's, we no. I was just, I was just actually writing about Devin Townsend. That's why, too, for Metal Insider. So when you said Devin, I was like, "What?" My wow. <laughs> wait. So your new album, Empath. Wait a minute. All right, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my apologies, right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, huge Devin fan right here. Usually, I'm wearing his shirt. But anyway, um, what about for you, Joe? What was your favorite track on the record? Oh man. Uh, I mean, I would probably just echo on Caledonia. I mean, it, it was, I mean, that we recorded that back in November and it seems like a lifetime ago. But song is definitely like, probably like the, the more adventurous of the, the bunch on this record. So pretty much everything on it was like a little different than things that we've done previously. So I think you guys did eight tracks too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes okay it was that like did you want to keep it shorter like that or do you is there like b-sides and stuff the most we've ever, we've ever had on a record before <laughs> yeah first most songs shortest i mean it's not the shortest album but i mean it's what around 46 minutes or something like that isn't it 43 which is in my opinion like a good a good length for an album like a lot of even really solid solid uh albums once you get up like around the hour mark often my attention span is being stretched yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> like for a, for a metal album, like 40 to 40, you know, maybe 50 minutes is like the, the Goldilocks zone or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, our last album was like an hour, which uh, that's what we had, you know, but we we're trying to keep this one, you know, just fucking a hammer the entire time. <laughs> Straight awesome. to the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's well, also you guys seem to like sit at like a good seven like it seemed like from again songs I listened to which is like the new like six to like eight minute long songs like it was just kind of sitting in there so even eight songs like you said it's like yeah these are long it's like nice and there's a lot of like meat to it too so it's nice it doesn't get boring it's not that's worse than when you're like in an eight minute track and you're like wait till you get to the good part you're like yeah oh, wait a minute it's just like it's supposed to be enjoyable it's, it's like why are we working here. Yeah, <laughs> like watching a TV show. It's like you just got to get through the first like four seasons, then it gets really. Dude, you're never gonna that character. Yeah. <laughs> never. Oh man, and then yeah. you like get you become jaded at that point. If you get to the good part, it's like how many times do I have to do this? <laughs> no, it's Paul Bear. To like not be just a super repetitive doom man, you know. There's so many, and it works for some bands really well, but just like. It should be interesting from beginning to the end. You shouldn't be like looking at your watch halfway through a song. Yeah, it's it's also like that's why I like those longer songs scare the shit out of me. 
I don't know why. It's like, dude, you have to be so mature. And, you know, you guys pull it off and, like, man, like, I'm big, like, be- and even, like, different genres. I'm a big, like, between the Bear and me fan. And when I see, like, 12 minutes, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, and it just somehow stays interesting. I'm like, all right, man. And then if I made a 12 minutes, I'm like, that's probably going to repeat about 75 times. It's, just- <laughs> it's going to be about 50 courses. It's going to be. <laughs> the Dream Theater comes out. It's a different part every minute. of It's like, like what? <laughs> all right, cool. Let's see how it works. Are you guys yeah. into Prague at all? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's like one of your favorites? Um, uh, probably my favorite all-time prog band is Camel. Camel, uh, Camel yeah. Uh, Canterbury Prog band from like the early seventies. Oh, dude, I'm listening uh, to them after. <laughs> King Crimson is also yeah enormous okay. for us. Yeah, I hear, I hear that one a lot. King Crimson. I also hear um. Uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on their name right now? All right, skip me. <laughs> yeah, that's, pro- that's probably <laughs> right. Prog tag in is our probably our biggest overall kind of musical influence, despite being a heavy band. Most of our influences are you know like 70s prog. Well, I feel like those are the bands that get you to practice. Yeah, like how many times I've seen like especially like uh, like a band like Mastodon, they have like an older, like especially like later years, they like influence like this older prog into their music. And like every time I watch them, I'm just like, I'm an idiot. Why am I at this show when I should be playing my instrument right now? Just like, <laughs> you just, I'm like, oh my God. Like, it's like, it's always the prog guys. Like every time you see it, you're like, oh, they're that good. All right, I'm fucking up somewhere. Let's get back yeah. home. <laughs> what inspired you to play your instrument? Uh, Joe, we can start with you. Um. I started playing bass when I was a teenager because my dad used to be a bass player and I was just like, it seems pretty cool. I'll give it a try. It's in the family roots. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. So I've just been doing it ever since. That's cool too. Cause usually like kids, I feel like rebel, even if their dad or like mom are really good at something. It's like, no, why would I want to learn from you? It's like, I heard like Terry Bozio's kid, great drummer. He's like, didn't never ask Terry Bozio for tips. I'm like, you have like the best drummer in the house. He's like, <laughs> he's at that tier where there's no one better than him. They're just all really good. It's like, ask him a question. It's like, no, nah, I'll just go figure it. It actually worked out for him. But I'm like, oh, did, were you like that? Did you like any, ever like, did you like go on your own journey or did your dad like help you along the way with bass? Uh, I don't remember him ever helping me with it at all. So. Oh, there you go. So you just wow. crush it on your own. So there is something weird about that. Like sons would, and daughters of like musicians just kind of like crush it on their own. I, I knew that he, he didn't even own one by the, at that point. I just knew that he used to play bass. Like, oh, okay. So I was like, that seems cool. I like bands. Maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll give it a, a shot myself. So I like, I went to a, music store bought like a crappy pv bass pv wow started going to town on it (laughs) the pieces are starting to come together (laughs) like like for me i I, all i had in my house was a guitar like i had this really like beat up acoustic guitar that we got at a uh, garage sale my dad got and he would uh do karaoke and pretend to play it (laughs) so i was like oh i guess i'll learn how to play that and (laughs) i how to play your guitar yeah <laughs> we actually had these little like um blow up like you know like a blow up balloon like for like a beach volleyball or something we had that for a guitar and i used to play that when i was little while my dad was doing the, the karaoke it was really funny Crush that. <laughs> and he bought the uh the package of uh kiss air guitar strings <laughs> yeah right <laughs> real thing real Dude, thing. i couldn't Genius. believe that was real Genius, did you guys see that 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Gene Simmons has no shame whatsoever. Dude. Oh, dude, that blew my mind. When I was like, this, this is like one of those like joke things that people make on like a meme or whatever. And I was like, nope, it's real. It's like when Dio said he patented OJ. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. I, that's a Dio said, at least in the uh, documentary. Headbanger's Journey, right? I believe, Jess? Yeah, something yeah, like that, it. yeah. Or he attempted to. I don't know if he did, but he attempted to. Why? Because oh, everyone says OJ, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so he could wow. walk around, demand money when they're drinking like the, at breakfast. You'd just go to a diner and be like, you said OJ, didn't you? Yeah. Pay me. Sorry, you can give me some money. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Honestly, though, the air, the air guitar strings blew my mind, but I kind of thought about it. Even if people know it's ridiculous, as a collector, it's like it's probably four bucks. You're like, yeah. well, why wouldn't I get it? And enough people do that. All of a sudden, you made like a like a couple thousand dollars off a piece of plastic and a cardboard like top to uh, it. You're like, oh, it's just like, no Kiss, work. A lot of Kiss fans treat, you know, Kiss like it's like collecting comic books or something. You know, they just have all this merch, and you want to get it all. You know, which is great for Kiss. <laughs> yeah, it really works out it's not many things people can do it's like i put my face on a lunchbox why <laughs> i thought you'd want to buy it no <laughs> put another cd out okay <laughs> never mind didn't gene simmons or kiss do something where they were going to give you like their their vault songs or something that songs they had in the vault that's what gene simmons did you had to pay like a thousand dollars oh wait what? what was that joe uh, i'm sure they weren't going to give them to you you're gonna have yeah, to yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. before <laughs> <laughs> nothing free from kiss <laughs> well for for what'd you give for donations uh 55 versions of love gun yeah. <laughs> here you go right. just the kids what's a love gun don't worry about it just listen to it <laughs> i'm still really curious to know if uh the like rock and roll tall tale is true about gene simmons like trying to buy some of pentagram's songs when when Pen- really i didn't know that early 70s like when they were i guess when bobby liebling was still like halfway (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't doubt it like the guy's just like you just happen to be creative and be like but usually you don't have like those two mixing like a high level business dude and like a creative like person it's like you have that mix it's almost kind of like scary you just be at a concert that was a nice record how much you want for it it's like uh, I never got offered that, but eh, think about it. some guys are not doing so well. Just get your music catalog bought. Yeah. And also Michael Jackson owns like uh, the Beatles whole catalog. So you never know. It's just weird. Shit works like that. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Yeah. Dude, that was crazy. Dude, I think uh, McCartney managed to get it back eventually. Yeah. yeah which, which was, I just never understood is like the biggest band almost ever. Like literally everyone talks about it. It's like, how did like, I understand like record labels and something, but it's like, how did he end up like not in Paul McCartney's like, not like a poor dude. I was blown away. Then like the hurdles he had to go through to get his music back. I was like, McCartney, oh, as big as he was, it's still just like not even close to Michael Jackson. He oh was yeah. A, like a God, you know? Yeah. When it comes, especially dude, I know. I just blew my mind, especially like, I love music, but I, I'm just not in the industry at all. So just like, like, yeah, this place is fucked up. Like, how did that happen? I was like, that's weird. It's like the king of pop just owns the Beatles. It's just like, it's like all right. Weird. Well, I, saw, I saw that Metallica was actually in the uh, business of buying uh, song catalogs, too. Apparently, they're on this big uh, business venture right now. And they're, yeah, it was on Blabbermouth. Um, yeah. It, it, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, wow, they're going the Michael Jackson route now. 
Well, I, I mean, it makes sense if you got, I mean, it's, it's kind of cutthroat, but if you've got the capital, like, especially in today's day and age, like each play, even for Metallica, like they've, they've gotten used to living a certain lifestyle, but music doesn't pay like it used to probably even for Metallica, but they have the capital up front to buy all these artists entire like catalog. So maybe combined, they still, you know, can live the same lifestyle that they're accustomed to. It's it's kind of fucked up, honestly. It's so hard. To, it's so hard to make yeah. like. It's hard. I mean, the whole situation is. It's like it's hard to. Uh, it's just hard to make a living as a musician. These guys are like multimillionaires, so yeah. they're they live in a completely different world than you know regular people, regular musicians. I think Kurt was talking about how uh, he couldn't live. Like he couldn't pay off his house with his royalties anymore. I might be butchering that a little bit, but I remember that came out um, a couple of years ago, and everyone like the internet just jumped on him, like woo like <laughs> they were attacking but, him mad hard. Uh, it's like I don't understand. I mean, there's plenty of stuff to be critical about, whatever people out, being out of touch or whatever. But I mean, I don't see how it's messed up that he could pay his house with his royalties. You know, he's he's in a huge band. Yeah, that's kind of dream. You know. But I mean, I, I guess people like well, Metallica is way out of touch, and maybe they are, but like they did earn their position, I guess. Well, I, I think it's also more for some reason, and this is a constant subject, that especially I bring up on the podcast, <laughs> is that for some reason, no matter how much a lot of people love music, they don't like to support the music, and then they wonder mm-hmm. why their favorite bands just go away. They're like, what? You said you? I didn't pay you ten dollars, and you're gone. It's like, yeah, you do that for like. 10 years all of a sudden you can't you know you can't buy cheerios anymore and then uh you know you gotta stop and it's like it's instead of like like i feel like people like attack metallic it's like oh but you made too much money it's like yeah why don't we bring the rest of the rest of our artists up to like closer to them where it's like yeah kind of the biggest band in the world especially in one genre basically the biggest metal band ever it's like yeah they kind of should be able to pay themselves off like you know it's like but yeah let's bring everyone up like I kind of like, but people like, no, no, then I got to pay for stuff. No, fuck that. Oh, I mean, about buying a t-shirt, especially in metal. There's just, you know, it's like the second you start making any money, it's like, Oh, you sold out. It's like, well, what do you want? Do you want music? <laughs> make this music that you can listen to, or do you want them to not and go, you know, work a regular job? Cause there's yeah. pretty much two options. Like either you yeah. can pay for it and a person can live off, off their art or, if you don't pay it for it, then they can't, and you won't have it anymore. It's, it's just goofy. the way the world works. It, well, it's especially for freaking for art or any kind of entertainment. It's weird. Well, actually, no, mostly music. Because, again, people won't really complain about Brad Pitt making a lot of money, and they yeah. go to, like, watch his movies. And he should. He's really good. But then they wonder, it's like, why does he get paid so much? It's because you're buying the ticket. You own the DVD. It's like, just stop giving them money if you don't want them money, and then funnel it into stuff you like. Yeah. Like me, I basically, I got furloughed at the beginning of all this and I wasted a lot of money. I probably shouldn't have on merch because I love giving bands money because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, Hey, they make stuff. I like, I kind of want to hear more of this sometime down the road. I don't want them to be like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Everyone just streamed it on YouTube. Thanks a lot. Assholes. It's like, yep. all right. And then it like, you know, literally puts food in the mouths of the bands that you like. It really yeah. is really that. Yeah, people don't see it like that for some weird reason. And then also, like you said, they think it's selling out. It's like, I got to feed my kids. Well, stop fucking and play more guitar. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what? 
<laughs> you shitting me? Oh, looks How's like the this. quarantine been for you guys, like this whole COVID situation? What have you guys been up to? Still kind of figuring that part of it out. I mean, we, uh, we recently started a, a Patreon account that can kind of house Solid. some of our like, extracurricular projects that don't have to do with touring, pretty much. So we've been, we've been doing, uh, started to do like riff playthrough t- tutorial stuff, and we're like working on some other like broader like music projects that are like different than our our normal studio albums and we have some other other ideas in the works you guys so, make death metal tracks <laughs> I mean, maybe <laughs> do you guys dabble in the death metal uh, i mean we play when we, when we jam and stuff we play like everything under the sun uh but we've never made a death metal track <laughs> I remember Sugar did that. They did like that uh, on their B side rare tracks that like stream death metal one. That was really cool. They also had a Paramore cover on that. It was crazy. Like, they, really? No I'm kidding. I, I was like, what are you talking about? Just, he's lying. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> <top right. laughs> he almost got me there. I was like, do they know who Paramore is? Test all the Meshuggah fans out there. He's like screaming at the screen. That's not true. He's, he's lying. sold out. <laughs> they would never. <laughs> Paramore. Kaylee Williams doesn't gent. <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh, i always wonder too it's like because a lot of people say like bands have an identity it's like do you guys feel like that if you do make a out of what we keep talking about like a dope death metal track is this like it's just not our identity we can't put it out or is it more like because you know some people feel like that it's like this doesn't fit our kind of package or what we see our band as you guys put it like as a b-side or maybe release on the side do you guys like see stuff like that or do you ever have to put tracks to the side because of that um in general we have a pretty like it's the borders are wide but we have like a sort of vision for what the band can and can't do you know we can't do a lot but we can't do a few things too like i don't think we we're likely to put out a death metal album but if we if we were going to do something like that we just call it something else like release it under a different name name. oh fair enough or as a ringtone (laughs) or is it <laughs> so, uh, second tier Patreon? You got a yeah. ringtone. <laughs> I feel like I'm like one of the only people that have like a song as their ringtone now. I feel like that that's so dated. Uh, every time I hear someone's phone ring, it's like an actual like, like you know, kind of like a yeah. <laughs> I still oh. have like a uh, Lamb of God coming through my my phone when someone calls me. Yeah, I just felt like an asshole in a movie theater once. Like I had like I think also Lamb of God, and I was just like. I just feel like a dick right now. Everyone's trying to watch a movie. I left it on the one time. I was like, yeah, that's not the ringtone you definitely don't want. Someone's phone <laughs> going off in the movie. It's just just the ruin fill or just like the breakdown from Lady Rest. Like, say who gives a fuck? Shut up. It's like, I'm sorry, guys. I was like, yeah, I'll just put the ring-a-ding-ding back on. I was like, whatever. <laughs> I yeah, my the alarms. audience is, is the person who gives a fuck yeah. about your ringtone. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I will say, being working in an office, when there was an electrician that came in, and he had, I think, dead skin mask as his ringtone. I'm not gonna lie, my head, my ears perked pretty hard. I just went, "Who's this what? guy?" He's like, <laughs> "I just went." <laughs> He's just like, "Who the fuck's that guy?" I'm like, "My man." Just <laughs> like, everyone, shh, shh. We talk about it. it's an office. I'm like, "Who give that's dead skin mask? What is that? A virus? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a really good song." <laughs> I actually have text tones too, um, like little snippets and stuff. Like, you guys fans of Metalocalypse at all? 
Oh yeah, the blue, blue, blue. So I have that from one group chat, and then for like like all my default text, I have Doctor Roxo going like, "Let's do cocaine." Every time. <laughs> and one time I didn't mute it when I was on a like a like a work call or whatever, and everyone's like, "What?" And I was like, "Shit." <laughs> Find out who the weird ones are in the, in the office. Yeah. yeah. I was like, "What's this?" My man. They just like, "No, no, no." It's a joke. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, great. Man. Well, let's break into another little segment I like to call the three random silly question segment. You guys ready to take part in this? Always. It's crazy random. Here we Still go. Still waiting for someone to say no and just leave the call. Yeah, right. Like, no, no, I don't do Interview this. over. Out. <laughs> All right. I actually had one person say yes, and then they really didn't want to do it, and you could tell on their face. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here we go. <laughs> Best tour prank you guys witnessed or encountered? Oh, man. Uh, uh there have been a few a few good ones um i can think oh. of one but i don't know that it was it would really be considered a prank it was more like revenge <laughs> do tell do tell uh, what are you talking about the enslaved one or the ko dot one wait i i don't know about the ko dot one. <laughs> maybe well, was really both now thinking about oh the- yeah i don't know if that should be <laughs> but, <laughs> I was just talking about the uh, the the end of Ko Dot tour one that they and Bast did for us. It was like it was on a totally different tip. There, I was like, wait, was there like <laughs> really insidious thing happening? Yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, pretty funny ones. Uh, our our first like extended tour we ever did was was with uh, was with Enslaved, supporting Enslaved. That's awesome. And uh, so on the last the last day, uh, while we were at at that point in time, like we just smoked weed like twenty four hours a day. <laughs> so we just smoked the entire time we were we were on the road. And so I guess they found that to be amusing. So like during our last the last song of our set on the last show, they came out like Grula had made like. A cartoonishly large, like, paper mache joint it was like fucking <laughs> six feet long. She <laughs> was like smoking this enormous joint on stage, and they had like a paddle ball thing. They're like hitting me on the side of the head with the paddle ball uh, singing. So, uh, so I guess they're making fun of us for being stoners, understandable. <laughs> so during their set, like, they were playing, uh, they were playing, uh, what was it, Immigrant Song? And so, like, we all kind of, like, rushed the stage. And Devin had this, like, leopard thong that he had on the road for some reason. So he walks out on stage. This is NYC. Where was it, Where was it at? Do you remember? Ballroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Devin walks out on stage wearing a leopard thong and cowboy boots and nothing else. And just walks over and like fucking moons the audience. <laughs> so it was pretty disgusting. I feel like traumatized probably like seven or eight hundred people. Dude, oh jeez. That'd be awesome. That was just like a constant fight in one show. It was a storyline for the audience. It was just yeah. like it's back and forth. Dude, that's gangster. Yeah, was that ever like oh sorry, you go? The thing that uh Brett was talking about was like a couple of years ago we did a a tour with uh the bands Basque and KO Dot. 
Nice. And for that entire tour, and honestly, like, just in general, for, like, the last few years that we had been on the road, we had been collecting wrestling DVDs to watch. Like, in the van. In the, yeah, like, on the TV that we had in the van. And basically also, like, all we talked about to anybody. <laughs> a particular tour, we were obsessed. We had gotten a bunch of great, like, SmackDown collections. So we were just doing that 24 hours a day and just, like, wrestling each other and just being fucking <laughs> jacked. General. at the very last show like we were also i i'm not really sure why but we before we even went on stage we just decided to all play shirtless that night yeah. high on fire style yeah <laughs> Apropos, like i guess uh the the other two bands had been planning this prank on us for like the whole at least like prior three weeks yeah, yeah. So they we had like a break between a couple songs and they had talked to our sound engineer about playing the like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin theme, oh. the glass smash and like <laughs> happens. And then they all parade out, like, every went out. Of the other bands, like come out each dressed as a classic wrestler <laughs> from like, like the 90s, early 2000s. That's awesome. Era. Who's Ric Flair? <laughs> there was no Ric Flair. But uh, there was a Stone Cold, of course, who did all the announcing in the style of Stone Cold. <laughs> That's it was, so good. It was incredible. We were blown away. And it was like everyone was smashing beer, so we were just absolutely stoked from head to toe, just sticky with beer. And they had gotten a, a like wrestling belt made that said Paul Bearer on it. Like presented. Heavyweight champions. Hang on, I've got it somewhere. I was going to ask you if you still had that. That's awesome. This is a dream. Yeah, really. <laughs> very very dreamlike <gasps> do you, are you still into uh like watching wwe now and uh the events i had been watching it quite a bit up until like a few weeks into the pandemic and then it, it felt really weird watching it with no audience that's what i heard uh, a lot of people have been going a aew they've started uh i think they've started having more people in the audience now it was like the crew it's like the, yeah. It's like the like the wrestlers in training or whatever, like the people who are like in their like development <laughs> league. I think they're like using them to build. This yeah, which was an interesting like choice because I was like, I, I I agree with you. My my friend, our friend, made us watch it, and I I was like a big wrestling fan from like 2006 to like eight, and then like I went and backtracked to like the older wrestling because like YouTube for some reason had every single match ever. And I was like, well, I don't mind if I do. <laughs> and like, and like he just forced us to watch it. Cause I, 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 I haven't watched it. And dude, it was so weird just seeing, especially cause the normal camera angle shows so much of the audience. I was like, yeah, all right. They learned though. Apparently a few weeks in, they started just centering it directly on the ring. And I was like, all right, it looks a little bit better, but it's like, it still sounds it, empty. Exposed. <laughs> how crucial the audience is for it. I, it like oh, yeah. didn't feel, even though like everybody was still like getting like just as fired up or like they were still like acting like everything. Yeah. Well, like when they talk to the crowd, that's not there. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, my favorite, it was the best clip to come out of that was on a break. Someone, I forgot why. Oh, I guess if you watched on WWE network, maybe it showed that when they went to break, usually they got to do those pause positions when they wait for the commercial to be up. And because no one was there, they just like started like clapping. They're just like, 
like walking around the ring like nothing's happening and they're like we're going back online just <laughs> just start fighting again i'm like what the fuck that's kind of <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah. so weird yeah it's yeah it's weird wrestling is definitely something there's like a, like ufc i'm kind of happy there's no crowd wrestling i'm very much like yeah this kind of has to be a crowd sometimes it's the whole point really i mean it's getting the crowd like fired up is like a big part of what makes like wrestling entertaining. It's a huge like over the top personalities and stuff. Oh yeah. Well like the rock and the millage and millage is like <laughs> it's just like everyone's like, what? That's awesome. Like yeah. there's actually a million people. Who's your uh, favorite wrestler of all time? Oh man. Of all time. This is cemented too. You can't change it once you said <laughs> <laughs> put the pressure on. De- Devin is our Devin is our true like wrestling archivist. But I mean it's it's hard to go wrong with the Macho Man. He gets so out there. Like <laughs> I I think that like my favorite matches like the classic stuff that I've seen involved involved him in some way. Dude, okay. I forgot. Dude, like, I will say, you gotta check out the what's his name? Uh jake the snakes roberts about the story about when he had to get bit by the snake and like how they got got about basically what? sticking the snake on macho man Randy Savage. he played like, he did a, he did a uh, like stand up basically type thing here in little rock like some time ago and devin and i went and got went and saw it there's some like truly sordid tales that he, oh yeah he shared it's really dark. Like it's pretty. It's yeah. pretty funny. He's just like, that's the last time my father touched me. It's like, all right. <laughs> it's like, are we supposed to laugh yet? Or like, Jesus yeah. Christ? Yeah, Therapy. Like the darkest humor. Devin's girlfriend had come with us, and she laughed within the first ten minutes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Understandably. Yeah, it gets pretty heavy if you're not prepared for it. Luckily, I heard him on a podcast. And I went to a comedy festival, so and and he was there, and I was just like, oh, I'm ready. I know. <laughs> I know what's coming. It's like, if you're just there for fart jokes, it's like, yeah, no. It's like, I was doing coke off of a stripper's bum, and I realized <laughs> really my childhood was the co- It just always comes back to his childhood. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. And then he had a story, though, where he sicked it. He's like, listen here, Jake. I don't want that, I don't want that snake biting me, man. He's just, like, freaking out. And he basically just sicked it on him. It's just like, oh, brother. It's on my forehead. It's not letting go. He's just like, yeah, he and Macho Man, like, hated each other. Yeah, I think yeah. for that reason. He's sick yeah. fucking snake. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Right. <laughs> I'll bite you with the fucking anaconda or, like, Python or whatever. Dude, wrestling's awesome, but fuck being a wrestler back then. If you just had to, like, get a sell for Jake. He's like, yeah, he's going to come in probably kind of high, and he's going to stick a fucking <laughs> python on you. <laughs> it doesn't have poison, though. It doesn't have poison. It's just going to hurt. This? <laughs> so messed up. All right, question number two. <laughs> uh, what's the worst job you've ever had? Musician. <laughs> Shit. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Same for you, Joe. I, I worked a job that was even worse than being a musician one time. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I did a job where I had to go into a factory and vacuum like metal shavings off of these. Like it was like a like wire extrusion factory. Oh, jeez. And basically, sets oh, of machines, and they would just like alternate which ones extruded the wire. And then the others had to be cleaned. And it was like 110 degrees 
in the factory pretty much. And I had to wear like full like COVID outfit pretty much like, <laughs> like mask and all the shit and just had to vacuum the machines for like eight hours. And I like Damn. had like heat stroke one day. I like had to go home and like lay with like <laughs> cheese, bro. It's a, wow. I, it's a, oh, it sounds like you, you mess up with the, oh yeah. How much did you get paid to do it? Oh, it was like minimum wage. Oh, John. And how long like, did you have that for? Uh, it wasn't for very long. I think I worked there for like... <laughs> okay, good. So it's like, yeah, I was there five years doing it. <laughs> the I coughed the metal shavings. <laughs> it was like in between... It was like over the summer during when I was in college. So I was just like, I just need money. I'll just okay. like... Job that I can get and... <laughs> Living, like living on somebody's couch or something like that. I just, but yeah, I was like, no, nah, gotta, gotta pick something else. Oh, man. It sounds like a mistake could easily be made with that. You just said vacuuming it, right? Like, I feel like, did you ever get out of a thing where you just got wrecked with a bunch of metal shavings? Like, luckily, no, I no kind of like accident happened or anything. <laughs> it, was like a, it was like a real deal, like huge, like shop that kind of thing. And I, okay. I, I was completely ensconced in like protective gear, which was really hot. <laughs> But yeah, you know, what was it called, Joe? I what was the place? What was the factory? I think I used to still have to deliver stuff there. I honestly don't even remember, but it was in Conway, like on the the like south eastern edge of Conway. When you yeah, like, I know we're talking. They had the huge metal spools and stuff. Yeah, you would know the place. Mm. That, you know, like, it was weird inside there. Yeah, it's terrifying, dare I say? Yes, <laughs> it is. What? There's fucking uh like three four story high like stacks of these enormous like metal spools it's, like really weird terrifying yeah it was Dude. like like the wires that they use to like secure like light poles and stuff the huge uh, okay not, not like wires like something that you're like connecting up like a dvd player or something it was like <laughs> huge like i gotcha just iron. five stories of usb cables <laughs> terrified <laughs> <laughs> And you have to untangle it every day. Yeah, they're all tangled too. They're not even wound up properly. Worst job ever. Yeah. Honestly, that would be a f- shitty job. You are in this room for eight hours. All these wires are tangled, and they'll be tangled tomorrow. Now untangle them. Like, that's that's what I do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, it hurts my feelings, dude. I had a friend who he was a like big gamer, and he had a drawer filled with controllers, and it just looked like they're all like trying to mate to make the ultimate controller. And I was just like, why are they all tangled? I was just like, just wrap them up. It's so easy. They're like, oh, do you want this controller? And then a sea of wires come out of the box. It's like, dude, and I used to clean it up like an asshole. It's like, this is not my house. Why am I and doing then it? And then just get messy again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just those, uh, those little Velcro tie things will change your life if you got a bunch yes. of cable. Oh yeah, dude. I went. I went the rubber band route, but then I kind of I started building they my melt. own computers and stuff. And those Velcro straps, you're absolutely right. I was like, why didn't I think of this earlier? They're literally like for five dollars, like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. staples. Fuck. The life changer. Oh man. All right. Question number three. What's something that your bandmates might rip on you for? Everything. Weirdly. <laughs> 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 We usually don't really rip on each other that much, surprisingly. Uh, uh, farting in the van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but rip, ripping on each other and 
literally said the word. <laughs> we actually fart. <laughs> we don't make fun of each other. <laughs> it's been very close to like coming to blows over the the, the farting. Yeah. Yeah, well, in a van, especially. No, wait, wait. I, I thought I was going to have to commit a murder. I'm not going <laughs> to who did it, but I was sitting in the back of the van, and I was extremely, extremely hungover. And we had a, a day-long drive, and someone who shall not be named had uh, seafood for breakfast. <laughs> And they were equally hungover as me, and also sitting in the, the bench right in front of me with the air conditioner blasting. So I was just like huffing the worst fucking farts like all day. So every time I'd start to go to sleep, it would be like, Wah! and I'd like wake up nearly fucking puke. And I was like, after a few hours of this, I was literally enraged. I was like, Fucking out of my mind. I was so mad. You're looking guilty. Farting! <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> Dude, it's... Well, that's the thing about fart. Everyone's like, ooh, farts are fucking hilarious. It's like, yeah, but they also get really annoying really quick. You're in the wrong mood. A fart goes from a great time to making the night to... I might have to fucking spin kick you. Like, this is awful. <laughs> Shawn Michaels. Hours of them just straight in my fucking mouth while I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> living hell <laughs> oh my god you like wasn't quite so fresh anymore that was not fresh at all well we had we had a friend who did something similar we actually kicked him out of the basement we were like hanging out watching tv and i guess he decided to have like a, a stomach moment where his stomach just gave out <laughs> and uh yeah, we're all we're all stronger and older than him, and we told him to leave. <laughs> we're like, you can hang out next tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever got like went on like a subway and like a like a homeless guy was there and he just shit all over the subway? Have you ever <laughs> witnessed that before? Because that's kind of how my basement was turning out to be. <laughs> yeah, he's basically homeless level smell. <laughs> that fucking guy. Yeah, no. Also, fuck that noise. Oh my god. How to her is? Everyone smells homeless. <laughs> yeah everyone gets beanies and then just like don't show their hair i've seen that like how many times i'm like dude why are you always wearing the hat and they just come out and just their hair is just like sticking out it's like yeah, that's why i understand yep. it the beginning of uh the pandemic i decide i usually always have long hair and a beard i was like fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do something i never done before i'm gonna shave everything i just shaved my head completely let me tell you i didn't know i could look uglier i found mm, out the hard way bad. But I will say, now that I'm growing my hair out, I'm getting to that awkward stage again. You know, when you grow, like, you start growing your hair, you just look awful until you either grow it long or you shave it down. And I get, I get wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did that once uh, at the very beginning of tour. I, I had, like, a horrible haircut. So I just ended up shaving my hair <laughs> and my beard, and I looked like a fucking baby. It was fucked up. <laughs> Imagine how many ear, uh, years a beard can add to you or take away. Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I learned that the, everyone called me Bobby Hill. It was pretty awful for a little while. <laughs> so, oh, hello there, Bobby. It's just like, shut uh, up. <laughs> this was a mistake. I, I went from like death metal guitarist because I shaved my head first and kept the big beard to immediately, like you said, child. Like, I, just, yeah. like, I, I just freshly came out the womb. Yeah. For some reason, at five ten, <laughs> like I'm just like yeah. I'm here. Teach me now. <laughs> Holy girl, the world. 
Well, that was the random silly question segment. I hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I hated it. <laughs> Re- relive- reliving traumatic memories. <laughs> isn't, it hilar- isn't it hilarious? Our pain. Seafood. Yeah. <laughs> Ask your next question, sir. All right. So what does Paul Bear have planned for its fans or just upcoming events? Do you guys have any like Zoom live playing shows or anything like that? Live streaming events? Anything planned? We we had talked about it, but Joe lives in Brooklyn and the rest of us live in Arkansas. So it, we can't, it'd be kind of, I don't know. We might do it eventually, but it seems pretty sus to like travel, you know, right now. Get a cardboard and, cutout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> play to the track. Well, you have to be able to play to a metronome in order to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we're, we're, you know, I don't know, man. We want to play, but obviously that's not going to be happening anytime soon. I'm not going to be jumping onto a festival with like Smash Mouth and whoever you else is that? doing Trapped. <laughs> yeah, trapped. So cherry. we're trying to basically, you know, we're doing the normal promo cycle other than, you know, touring the main part of it for our album. We're going to be releasing videos and singles and stuff. And then we're also just going to be trying to basically brainstorm and come up with as much cool content as we can for Patreon and hopefully, you know, lure some more people onto that because, you know, it is a good platform to basically explore different avenues like creative avenues. And we have in our kind of like, you know, traditional band setup where you record an album or an EP, you release it, you tour, rinse, repeat, with this, since we have clearly like nothing but time on our hands, we're trying to think about like new ways of exploring. I mean, like say when we jam, we come up with so many different types of music. So if we were to release a death metal song or something like you were saying, it would be probably through Patreon just cause why not? If people are interested to hear what Paul Bear doing a death metal song or whatever would sound like. I like, would buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe is patreon the one where you can uh get people to uh like uh i saw max cavalera sing someone a birthday song or is that something else cameo yeah uh, is- cameo okay sorry my bad where you like you pay x amount of money and it's like tiered so like it's basically like hulu like you can pay for you can pay for like the bottom one and get commercials and then you, as you go up you get like the better stuff but, you know, we're trying to keep it where the bottom tier, you still get, like, cool stuff anyway. But, like, if for the higher tiers, you get, like, access to, I don't know, different stuff. Yeah. Maybe, like, merch and, you know, various content and stuff where you get content ahead of time that we release widely and everything. It's pretty interesting. Like, YouTubers and stuff like that use it a lot. It's really popular amongst, like, online people you know people who basically make their money via the internet so but there's not it's still kind of unexplored territory for for like bands as far as as far as i'm aware i know like the dude from like fucking winter sun or whatever (laughs) got a bunch of shit for his where he's just trying to grift people out of more money again uh while trying to Show people how to make like a grilled cheese sandwich for like twenty dollars a month or something. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, 
but we're trying to make it, you know, worth worth the money. So it's like, well, shit, we can't we can't tour. We got to be doing something. Are you gonna have the uh, the hail mary tier where it's like a thousand dollars? You're just like, you're a really cool person. I've seen that so many times where it's like. Uh, $10,000 and we'll say you're sick and you'll get everything below. And it's just like, it's That's like, a really good idea. Yeah. It's just that one. You're just hoping for just one psychopath. I like you guys enough. Click. You just yeah. like, yeah, at least we get one month before he wises up. Yeah, one month before he like tracks us down and murders us. Like, Where's the content? We said you're a really cool person. Did you get that text with the winky face saying thank you? $1,000 uh, Paul Bear air guitar strings. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. the worst. That'd be better if you bought the Kiss and then just put a sticker of you guys over. It's like, the fuck, Kiss Road Paul Bear teamed up. up? Sure, hey. <laughs> a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah, that might actually be the worst people to do it to. They'll track it down. Yes, they will. Talking about it is probably a bad idea. It's like, dude, you're crazy, you Joe. Joe, you're crazy. I just get yanked out of the call somehow. It's like, wait a minute, isn't Chris the leader of this call? How did this happen? He's the host. <laughs> The door opens behind Joe, and it's oh, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome! Dig it, dig it, Yeah, it's the demon. Um, do you have plans on releasing uh, another music video soon, or no, a new track or anything like that? Yes. Mm, yep. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> uh, we we were just talking. That's in the works now. We were talking, we actually had a phone meeting about that yesterday. So it'll be a little while. It's still got to be made, but it's I want it now. The, the balls rolling. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to do a, another single before that song and video comes out. So we're going to be like, you know, gradually releasing stuff up until the album comes out, which is like October 23rd, I think. So yeah. there'll be a couple of singles before it comes out. I like when bands release like, six out of eight tracks before yeah. the album comes out i was like okay god just put two more songs <laughs> yeah, well, last two songs are worth it yeah yeah i've been noticing that like also i feel like the the cycle has gone smaller because i remember i think it was when slipknot released the, the record before this last one and i was just like they're like ah slipknot record next month it's like what the fuck yeah. i feel like i used to hear about like a half a yeah. year in it like be like, okay, and then you just wait around just with your nickels and your dimes, just waiting to give it to the band you want. You're like, now it's like, oh, here's a new album in like two weeks. Get ready. It's like, <laughs> that makes some sense. Like, in today's, I mean, like, with the internet and, you know, Twitter and whatever else, like, you just, you everybody finds out about, especially for big releases like Slipknot or something. Yeah. Or be like a couple years ago or something, I think like Drake just like released an album out of nowhere. I mean, when you're on that scale, yeah. Everybody knows about it all at once. So there's no real need to like actually promote something because it just promotes itself. Yeah. The band of our like, you know, stature or less than stature, whatever, you know, you have to still promote stuff to get the word out. You know? Yeah. But for like big stuff like that, just why not just release it? Everybody's going to get it. Well, you guys definitely have a huge following on metal blogs. Most metal like blogs or websites I go to, you, you guys are always talked about and highly acclaimed. So nothing to worry about there. That's good. Those are the most uh, devastatingly uh, dangerous people online. Those are the people that hurt your feelings when they hate you. <laughs> give up. Yeah. You don't even know how to tune a guitar. You're a hack. Boo. Just like leave me alone. <laughs> Who are you people? For sure. Metal blogs keep you humble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, 
Fuck you, Dick Danger 69 with the metal horns at the end. I don't give a shit about you. And your attempt at playing the beginning of Painkiller poorly on that one YouTube before he gave up on music. Well, uh, guys, this was a blast. Thank you again for joining the show. Um, yeah, th- th- thank you so much. This is a great time. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah you got- for- Dude, I'm looking forward to your guys' record. I'm definitely going to buy it. Not sucking up. I know it sounds like I'm sucking up to the bands when I say this. I really do appreciate, you know, the kind of music you guys make. And just, you guys are great dudes. I can't wait to people hear the music, dude. And best place them. to buy it. Where's the best place to buy the record? I would assume probably this, like, Nuclear Blast web store. Okay. There's probably a link from our website to get it as well, I would assume. I don't know. Normally, we just sell it ourselves at shows, but that's not <laughs> I would say from us when we come to your town, but who knows when that'll be. But, yeah, yeah I'd say go to nuclear, the Nuclear web store. All the info, like, even for, like, different, different countries or continents, I guess. Like, right. I'll make sure to put it in the description below. Is that I see you guys do have a band cap. Is that, like, all old stuff only? Is not going to be any of the new record? It, it will be. It'll have everything on there. All right, cool. Yeah, so buy the record, guys. Do it. I'll come after you. I'm actually metal, Dick Danger 69 with the metal <laughs> horns. I'll come after all of you. <laughs> Everyone's getting hit. Forgotten Days comes out October 23rd, which is crazy, and Nuclear Bass Records. So thanks again, guys. This was awesome. a lot of fun. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Have, right. have a great Peace, day. Guys. Be safe, guys. And welcome back to the Metal Teddy Bear Experience podcast right now. This is your boy, Chris. And we got Jesse here. Be back. How's it Be going? Back. Hope you guys enjoyed that nice, awesome interview with Paul Bear, Joe, and Brett. They are awesome. And uh, that was a fun time. Definitely check out their single, Forgotten Days. Uh, the album comes out October 23rd. Yes. Nuclear Blast Records. Woo! Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, haven't got to talk to those guys. I think I saw them live at least once or twice. If you guys haven't seen them live, I definitely, and obviously you can't now, uh, check out their St. Vitus uh, video. They have a, they played a show at St. Vitus, I think in 2018, they said, and it's up on YouTube. So definitely check it out. It's like one St. Vitus is an awesome venue. And you know that if you listen to our podcast and two, they just have so much like energy in the crowd. It's just great. Just watch it. Just do it. Close the video right now and watch it. (laughs) Shut the podcast off. Shut it off. We're telling you, but also at the same time, tag three friends. That would be uh, very interesting. This podcast. I'm kidding. Yes, guys, like, subscribe, and tell your friends. And remember, if you want someone on the podcast, if you were like, dude, get more bands like Paul Bear, let me know in the comments. Yeah, dude, it was awesome talking to those guys. I will say, like I said on the podcast, I'm, I'm very honest on this podcast. That's why I'm, that honesty is the best policy. And Feelings. I told, you know, I never actually like listened to these guys. So I decided like the week of, I'm going to listen to, you know, when we found out about, well, I found out about the interview. Uh, I started you never listening to them once before that. Really? No, oh. and I will say the title track was a, well, the yeah the single was a pleasant surprise. I was very happy. Again, like I told him in there, it was kind of interesting, like a very perfect song for like the apocalypse. I feel it's a slow burn, and uh, well, I'm not gonna lie, things very relatable too. Yeah, and I wasn't ready for the vocals too. I thought it was an awesome. Like in my head, the vocals I thought was gonna come did not come instead like i said it was like it seemed like black sabbath kind of influenced tight like type vocals way better though like i like like ozzy's a legend and all but sometimes his voice kind of sucks like i don't care <laughs> okay are you calling the prince of darkness no nah, sucks 
Actually, we'll cut that out. No, this so. is a clip right now. So all people hate you. What's going on Instagram? No, the Twitter, the social media. It doesn't suck in the sense like yeah, that's probably rough. I usually this is, know that. This is basically uh, instead backtracking. Yeah, I'm backtracking now. Like I think comparatively, like I really like. I guess that's how good I'm saying Paul Bear is. Like comparatively, I like their vocals a They're lot more. They're better than Prince of Darkness. Yeah. Which is fair. I think, honestly, I think if you put, let's be fair. If you put Paul Bearer, if we transported Paul Bearer back to when Black Sabbath first started, I'm going to say, I think Paul Bearer might be burned because they might be like considered witches. They'd be like, what is this? Synthesizers and shit like metronomes, like digital metronomes. Like, yeah, dude, they'd have cell phones. I'm (laughs) telling, we bring everything back to them. Like, they would just look like (laughs) they're from the future. It'd be nuts. Yeah, and I'm actually preparing. Don't put my Twitter up this time for this episode. <laughs> Why? <laughs> just the one ultimate Aussie head just comes and doxes me. How dare you talk about our Lord? <laughs> <laughs> I feel Pedro's- like you get more traction on Facebook with that. Fuck that. I'm not taking a hit. <laughs> I, say you start, I say you start going bald. You start getting freaking – like we just said at the end of the podcast, the, the bloggers, they come right for you. Yeah, right. they keep you. Home. Yeah, I guess if you really wanted to like attack it, who's like the big band that bloggers love besides Paul Bear? Uh, is it Devin? I feel like that people. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Devin, Revocation. I feel like Faith No More. Everyone loves Faith No More. They love. Uh, well, they're pretty. Mike sick. Patton. Actually, I really do kind of feel bad about saying that. Saying what? I don't think. Okay, I don't think Aussie suck. I know it sounds like a back. Wow, wait a back. We're not putting this in the clip though. I'm just <laughs> letting you know. The yeah. clip is you just hating Aussie. <laughs> that was that was an AD, ADHD just spit out. Comparatively, I prefer Paul Bear. I know this. Make actually no. Fuck it. I sound like a gigantic pussy now. Fuck it. Aussie sucks. So is Black Sabbath. I'm kidding. I love Black Sabbath. Well, we know Jesse's a Dio <laughs> kind of guy. We know he likes Dio Sabbath. <laughs> well, Dio was a way better vocalist. Like. Ozzy wasn't a technically good vocalist. It was completely no, energy. Yeah. And yeah, people are going to rather the Black Sabbath, like Ozzy, Ozzy yeah. Black Sabbath, but Dio was a stronger singer. Yeah. I don't he think so much power yeah. in that, dude. Well, yeah. He was like an operatic singer. Like it yeah. worked. Yeah. It's Rainbow in the Dark. He's like awesome. Rainbow in the Dark. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it was just way more like emotional kind of feelings, like almost kind of like a Rolling Stones kind of deal, where it's like not technically, you know, yeah, he's not technically a great singer. It's more like almost like a punk attitude, where it's like, oh, dude, the the like energy is just like the energy. Like, how many bands are like? It's not actually about how good you play. It's about the energy and like the kind of the oomph you put into the music and the art. And that's why digital, like we talked about in the podcast again the digital recording like why that kind of takes a hit sometimes like especially guys who run off raw emotion and raw feelings it doesn't translate because you have to go see that live and sometimes the barrier to entry is oh i have to like your music to go see you live and it's like oh well you can't get the best part of me like look at dillinger like luckily they were really good on record they were doing that but a huge selling point of them was him climbing on shit is their complete and utter just destruction of their bodies and everything around them and just this amazing energy that they would put out and luckily like i said like every time i die they were one of those bands i also always attribute they like almost plug their soul into their music which is awesome because i don't know it's a good analogy before yeah it's it's how i always feel about certain bands and that's what i always feel bad 
you know, we have certain friends where they're like, well, why do you like this band, not this band? They like point their favorite band. I'm like, I don't know. Like I've seen them live and they were really good, but there's just certain bands that, you know, maybe they're not the biggest, maybe they don't get the limousines and the, and the cocaina and the. <laughs> this is a fan who like of bands that, you know, either have really high pitch vocals or when they play a show, they jump in bushes and stuff. No, it's not. It's that's Jesse's bands right there. If, if, that's Jesse, not true. if you want Jesse to be a biggest fan, jump in a bush at a show or get a high pitch singer. Between the Barry to me. Yeah, Tommy's kind of high. He's a medium range singer. Medium range. Like, not me. Yeah, he sticks it. And then he kind of. Yeah. yeah. And also, they stand, like, besides yeah. Tommy, most of the guys in the band stand pretty still and they just shred. I love that shit. <laughs> animals as leaders. Literally, they stand in their oh, place. Now you're an animals fan. <laughs> what? Zeroing you under the bus. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, I love all, like, not to be that guy. I love all, no. I love this a is decent amount of news. Music. Jesse likes animals as leaders, guys. I'm not defending myself. Honestly, I put myself in the back fleet ever since the freaking Aussie comment. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm going to be like, uh, well, actually, luckily, if I can know, I should use that clip sh- as to preview the, sh- the episode before it comes out. Don't do that. I'll, I know where you live. I'll go burn your hard drive. <laughs> I don't care if we have to re record this podcast. Oh, that's so that awesome. was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's just something about that, man. I feel like some people also don't actually think about it. I'm not saying I'm like a deep thinker, I just realize certain bands that I love, why I love them. And also, like, I realize there's only certain bands I punch the roof of my car, too. Are you going to be doing that with your new ride? Actually, there's no sunroof, so technically, yeah. One time I did punch my sunroof. I was like, oh, shit, it's glass. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're just like, oh. You don't have to worry about anything leaking now. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, I got <laughs> it. Yeah, no, because, uh, yeah, it's just something about that. Wait, you never felt that with music? You never realized, like, thought about why you love, like, are you just, like, why you love one song over the other? Nope. <laughs> End the podcast. <laughs> um, Goddamn yeah. amateurs in here. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I never really analyze the music that much. It just has to. Just, I get a feeling out of it. Usually for me, it's just like simple heavy riffs. Those always yeah. get me like immediately. If a band has something like that, um, usually the, the tech deathy bands, there has to be something in it that draws me at first because a lot of them it just sounds the same. Well, yeah. But, well, tech um, bands kind of get digitized really hard because you have to to play the things they're doing. Yeah. Or else it'll sound like mud. And I feel, and don't hate me, guys, that some of Here those bands don't sound that great live. Some tech, te- some tech death bands don't sound that great. I'm not naming some whoever. Just like, like just you know. There's take something myself that, out of here. <laughs> and I'm they, gone. They sound better on record than to do live, whereas like a band, like you said, every time I die is freaking awesome live you know oh yeah dude we got we went to our pal's uh, garage yesterday and i talked uh, him into playing every time i died tid the season the first song and they opened up with floater you got to you got to handle the radio no but i uh, nagged enough to get tid the season to put on and man uh, i've had cravings for concerts almost this entire pandemic and i will say the the most i've ever had the craving was that the second he opens to my best ass friend, Wa-na-na-na. I'm just like, I'm fucking ready. Like, just mosh. Everybody in the room, like, get up. Telling the neighbors, get over here. I don't even care about the pandemic anymore. Now it's time to circle pit. It's time to climb on top of each other and chant into the mic. Oh, that's the, the cla- floater is the classic song. That was the funniest part. He goes, uh, everybody, stand the fuck up. And then the a pal was like, 
aren't they already standing? And then you see like three guys climbing on top of people to get to the mic to start <laughs> screaming. I'm like, yeah, no, that's what he means. Like get the fuck on top of each other and scream these last lyrics. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll give a fuck, man. They should be making millions. I know they don't because it's filthy music for filthy. If Jesse people. likes it. You should be making millions. If I believe me, if I was a millionaire, I guess that's why I would never be a millionaire. One, I don't have the talent, but two, I would literally spend all my money handling, just be that asshole giving like crazy tips for no reason. Hey, tips for weed, man. $200,000. Just like, there you go. All the weed. (laughs) All of it. (laughs) Yeah. If you're my favorite, like every time I die, I would be gaining a mill. I don't give a fuck. ETID. Yeah, dude, they deserve it. They're fucking too good. And that's and that's why... Uh, you know who you know, I think? What? After the burial. Oh, yeah, there'd be, there'd be another know mill. The, yeah, my mic's kind of blocking it. There you go, after the burial. Well, yeah, they're... Uh, there's, well, that's all, I guess, you know. There's a, you know, when you listen to a Metal Teddy Bear Experience podcast, maybe it's my fault, but you will get a lot of the same talking points in the sense that, one, support your artist, two, there's too many good fucking music out there. Let's just say it. To the point where right now there's too much too much shit music out there, Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) I disagree entirely. I don't accept that point. No, someone actually did try to back up on me recently on that, and I was blown away. I was like, a lot of people always say that you have to sift through the garbage to find that one gem. Yeah, sure. All right, that argument all the time about bands. Yeah, and those people like live inside a cardboard box but try to eat caviar. Like they're just like you know they're whatever they're like I get it you want a pal- you want your palate to be refined that's cool while I'm over here in Tuneville finding all the different tunes I like you can sit there and watch your one genre or like Trevor said name drop you you're waiting for the music just to fall on your lap because guess what whether it be in the past now or in the in the future there's an infinite amount of music. At the highest level, the medium level, at the beginner level, in the garage bands. There's garage bands out there that are crushing it, and you don't even know about them. Like, literally, you could, if you really want to find all the good music. Start. That's what I mean. Like, you could – it's impossible, dude. It actually scares me. Like, I'm, a, I'm afraid to go to Bandcamp and just like, oh, let's just check out what Yo, this, sh- this shot. Like, dude, I like a little bit of freaking hip-hop. I still have not explored a lot of hip-hop. Uh, pop music i hear here and there and some of it's good i don't explore a uh, jazz r&b like dude when you start getting to other genres god but even in our little sect of metal there's a billion subgenres. like how you have bands like freaking sun o and then infant annihilator technically under the same umbrella the slowest and the fastest music possible literally just in the same exact genre and then you got all in between. It's amazing, dude. Now I sound like I'm preaching, but no, it's just fucking. Instant preaches. It's, un- it's unreal, dude. Instant preach. No, music's amazing. <laughs> and also now that I'm actually spent on money and I can't spend it on records anymore, I'm stuck to digital downloads, to digitally download the $5 thing. You know I like my vinyl. Next couple, I had to buy uh, digital copies. I'm happy about it. I know. I'm fucked. Also, I lost the receipt to one of the vinyls I bought, and I and they haven't sent me, like, you know the trafficking thing so i'm kind of nervous i'm like is it is it gonna get lost it's lost. i was like i don't have the I was like, when in doubt think the worst 
yeah, I was like, oh, shit, did I just kind of throw 30 bucks into the digital atmosphere and uh, it, uh, did it make it? <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be the worst because if the band got it, but at the same time, like, yeah, at least the I, band got the money. That's I kind of want, wanted that vinyl, though. It was like pink with a support, but, uh, support music. All right. Support music. We're going to wrap up this podcast right now. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy the dudes from Paul Bear. Remember, Forgotten Days comes out October 23rd. It's awesome. Nuclear Blast release. Um, yeah, remember, subscribe, hit the bell, smash the like button. Smash it. I don't want it there after you hit it. And uh, always recommend artists you want to hear on the show. Who do you think Jesse can make laugh? <laughs> yeah. Can we find that guy? Can we find that guy or girl? Actually, anybody. Anybody? Can I? Can, can you like make, stump me and just make me look like a dick laughing into the like nothingness? Like you're never gonna make this guy laugh. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a weird thing too. And but he's <laughs> like, yeah, we want a bad podcast where one guy tries to be funny and the other guy's not having anything about it. So yeah, that sounds like downloads. That sounds like numbers. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, keep it real. Till next time, my friends. 